Hey folks, this is Alex Deacon, and this is something that we um, we recorded after this podcast, but it, it took so long. It was a, I think it was a thirty-five minute podcast, but it was about it was important. It was about frequently asked questions about property management, and since I get a lot of these phone calls from from clients, uh, potential clients, and they have questions, I just felt that. You might not listen to this whole podcast because it's so long, but you should. So if you're interested in property management or you want to hire my company, please listen to the full length of this podcast. It's about 35 minutes, and it will answer probably 80% of all the questions you will have. And then if you have any further questions, you can contact me via email. But thank you so much. Welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon, the property management series. Alex, we're here to talk about Mace Property Management again. And yes, the, yes, we are, Adam. And the wonderful things that you guys do with property management. That's correct. I just I get a lot of frequently asked questions, and we discussed before in another podcast where I'm constantly answering the same questions over and over. So it's just I think it's easier for me and the average you know real estate investor who wants to find out about my company, Maze Property Management, or just. Uh, property management in general instead of asking me they can just go and listen to you know an hour's worth of, of podcasts on the subject so this is this is this is like kind of uh, my way of being lazy so I don't have to do this 10 times a week but it's also actually easier for the client because they can just go on and listen to it at two in the morning or nine at night whenever they want and right. then if they if they have if somebody's like serious and they do want to do business with with my company then we can get maybe set up a time that discuss like the more detailed finer points of what we do mm-hmm. but this is just a good introduction and an easy way for for me to uh, get the message across and an easier way for them to get the message at their convenience I like that and and if you haven't um, listened to any of Alex's episodes before on property management uh, look up Alex Deacon's property management series on uh, Spreaker on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts I believe it's called now on Google Play Podcasts um, type in uh, Deacon Hoover Real Estate or DHRE into any uh, podcasting service you should be able to find the programming that way but today we're covering the frequently frequently asked questions. So, mm-hmm. Alex, let me start off with um, a very general question. Softballing you here. Is your property management team licensed? Yeah, yeah absolutely, we are. <laughs> we are licensed. So that's an important question. These are. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you know of like the important questions to ask because mm-hmm. you know the average client that or potential client I get some silly questions asked me. I said, you know what, that's really not an important question. It's important, but you, you know, I'm not going to base your decision on who to hire mm-hmm. on that question. So I'm going to try to prioritize like the most important questions. Is that one important? Absolutely. Because in Pennsylvania, I don't know about other parts of the country, but in Pennsylvania, if you're managing properties for multiple owners, you have to be licensed. And we've been licensed since 2002. That means we went to the Pennsylvania Real Estate Commission they approved our license. We have a, an official office. We have a broker of record, and we do everything in accordance of the Pennsylvania Real Estate Commission. How they want our files in order. How they want how we want our security deposits, uh, you know, accounted for. All that good stuff. So yes, we are licensed. And that, and that's actually different state by state. I do believe so. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, and the reason why I joked, and I apologize for my ignorance, because I, I joked when I said that because I thought that was like, a, of course you have to be licensed, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was a good question. 
Um, so you've been in business since 2002. How, Alex, how many properties you know do you manage? And not just properties, but like properties, units. Um, you know, when we're going down that rabbit hole. Just ballpark right now, because it it fluctuates. It the number goes up every year just a little bit as far as how many units. But we manage probably about 700 units, and we probably have around say 200 different owners. Wow. You know, 180 to 200 different owners, because some owners just literally own one house and some owners might own 20 units okay now in like how many different employees does that break down on different properties we have at this point right now we have um one two three licensed property managers we have two uh like office staff and we have one person who does officially just does all the accounting. Okay. Yeah. So I guess about six, but we have like little like sub staffs, I should say. Like we have, like our uh, property manager is one of the property managers has a small portfolio, but he's that he manages. But he's also he also runs our repair division, so he's okay. responsible for that. And we will get we'll go into that later. Okay. Um. So you do. I mean, what types of properties do you manage? Mainly single family. And this is scattered site, right? So scattered site means it's not just 600 units on in one area, like literally one block mm-hmm. under one roof, nothing like that. The biggest one we manage, I think, is I think we manage like a 15 unit. So that's you know under one roof, and then most of our stuff is spread out all over Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. Now we've talked about this before, but I just want to again, for in case you know people have not listened in, and guys, please go back and listen to to our old episodes. But um, when you said that you have scattered sites, do you feel it's important to you know dip in, have your portfolio scattered a little bit everywhere, or do you think it's more beneficial or more lucrative just to focus on one area? Or as is an it, investor, you mean? Yeah, yes, sir. As an investor, is it just? It's, I guess it's twofold, right? I I like to have them all in one area that is uh, super appreciating, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not reality. But yeah, I'd rather have, for logistically speaking and for the ease of management, they're so much easier if you have your entire portfolio in one area, mm-hmm. right? But like my own portfolio, I own properties all over because I just buy the, the deals when they come you know, when they expose themselves to me and if that's a good deal, I'm going to buy it. You're a deal seeker. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, but I also, I also do know the uh, value of having them all, all in one area. Like if, if I found a, a property deal that's close to where I live or where, where I work here, then I'm probably going to pay a little bit more money for that, knowing that I could probably manage it a little more efficiently and I can just watch the property more often and, it's just closer, right? So I can afford to pay a little bit more. If it's in an area that's far from my office and maybe I don't have the resources that I do close to the office, then I might consider buying it, but I might want a little bit better price on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let me see. So with that, what, what are your management fees on different properties? Management fees can vary between 6%. That's of the gross monthly rent mm-hmm. um, as high as 12%. And the reason there's a range is because we have some owners that they own a house that's worth, you know, $400,000 that we rent for $2,500 a month. 
So if we're renting a house for twenty five hundred a month, you're usually getting a pretty good clientele in there, right? It, and it's usually, as far as management's concerned, it's usually easier to manage something like that. So I just don't feel it's fair to charge a, an owner uh, nine or ten percent to manage one house that's in a good area that we're getting really, you know, really good clientele. So that's why it might be as low as six percent. On the other, on the flip side of that. If you have four units, let's so say you have a duplex over here and then a duplex across the other across the city, and they're renting for seven hundred dollars each each unit, we're probably going to charge nine or ten percent for those. Because right. to be honest with you, to manage that one duplex in one area versus managing that one house at six percent, I'd rather manage one hundred houses that are renting for twenty five hundred dollars a month. I make just as much money and we work less right right you know we deal with less less issues less riffraff yeah so that's why the the management fees vary from six to twelve percent and it also depends on how many units you have if you have that scenario where you have two duplexes one over here and one on the other side of the city if you have 30 of those then maybe that management fee can come down to eight percent you know instead of nine to ten percent it can be eight to nine percent because you have the volume right okay Gotcha. <clears throat> so now... With but, okay, so let me go back to... Okay. That's the first question I get, usually, right? What do you guys... The first question I get you is, what do you guys do? I'm like, okay, do you do you have a few hours, what we do? Not even a few hours. Do you have a few... Days, maybe. Weeks? Yeah. You want to walk around <laughs> with me and my staff for a few weeks? But what do you guys do? That's one question. The other one we get is, what do you guys charge? What is your management fee? And that's not the first question you want to ask. I mean, it's important, but... Like how how um, like how experienced? Here's a question you should ask: How experienced are you in the property management field? Do you invest in real estate yourself, Alex? Does your how experienced is your staff? What is your vacancy rate? You know, um, maybe some references that they can call. Okay. That's important because if you're talking about making a decision on management. Between hiring a company that's six, eight uh, percent, and one that's ten percent, you're talking about two percentage points, right? Mm -hmm. So two percentage points of it's it's pennies, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What happens if you hire the the company? And I'm not saying the one that charges more is better, but what I'm saying is, if you hire a company that charges a certain fee, but their performance is lacking right. like they don't have good communication skills with the tenant their vacancy rates are higher they charge you a bunch of other fees that you don't see mm -hmm. then you're actually losing money you know so especially so, if you have to maybe put more money in in for repairs or for you know anytime there's tenant turnover and so like many that. yeah there's mm -hmm. so many different uh, variables so mm -hmm. yeah so your question was, what do okay. we charge? That was a long answer, so, wasn't it? No, no, that was no, I could have just said 6 to 12%. Next question? No, that's good. We want those in-depth questions. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you cut me off of asking the next question because I'm glad we went down that, that extra layer. Um, my next question, though, is going to be, uh, so, you know, what is your fee for filling new tenants or releasing an, an existing tenant? Um, that's a good question. That's, a, that's one I get all the time, too. And some, and some um, owners don't understand, like, oh, that's not included in your management fee? No, there's... There's not a company out there that I'm aware of that that does it that way, at least in Pittsburgh. Um, so what, that's called a leasing fee or a finder's fee, 
some companies call it different, but that's usually the, t the two names. If you have a vacancy, and we have to advertise for a vacancy, show the property, screen mm -hmm. the tenants, finally approve a tenant, get a lease signed, get make sure they have renter's insurance, make sure they have utilities on their name, make sure we get a non-refundable security deposit. A lot, a lot involved. Checking their references, criminal background check, uh, verifying employment. Once we do all that, we place a new tenant. That's called you know a leasing fee or finder's fee. We typically charge the first month's rent. Now, I give a range for this also because I go back to that scenario, the $2,500 house. We're not going to charge somebody $2,500 to put a tenant in. That's right. just ridiculous. It's it's way too high. But if you have a $700 or $800 unit, even maybe a $900 unit, we're going to charge you the first month's rent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's our fee to find a tenant, place a tenant. Some of our owners want to place their own tenants. It Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't because they don't screen them like we do or they promise, they overpromise, and then we get we get caught on under delivering because we don't know what they promised because mm -hmm. we got to you know pick up where they left right, off right, right. so we're not on the same page but um, most companies are charging you know what what we charge but some of them are charging a full month's rent regardless of how much it is we reduce that finder's fee as the rent goes up so it could be low as let's say uh, 50 or 60 or 70% of the first month's rent depending on how much the rent is. That's called your finder's fee. Those two fees are the, are the largest fees for a, a landlord. That's the management fee, and then your vacancies, if your vacancies are high, your finder's fees will be high. Okay. Okay? Now, with this, I mean, do you have any hidden fees, like for repairs, marketing, account setup, anything, you know, anything along those lines? We have a few other fees. We have a technology fee. It's, it's $3 per door. So if you have a three unit, then it, we're going to charge you $9 a month. What that fee does is it covers our costs for our property accounting software. The, the software we use is called PropertyWare. And this allows, I mean, it costs us per door. Every door we have, you know, we put on, we have to pay an additional you know, fee. So it allows the tenant to have 24-hour access to their own portal. So they can pay online. They can do things like that. They can change their... Uh, contact information in the system. We don't. We won't even have to know about it. The other. The other thing is for the owner. The owner can go in there at any time and pull up reports. They can give their their portal password to their accountant. Their accountant can go in there and pull up reports and do all their taxes. They don't even have to be involved at all. Uh, the owners can go in there and pull any repair invoices, like they might want to check on something that we did and say, well, what, wonder what they did for this $800, and they can pull a repair invoice. So they have access to their secured portal, and that's uh, a monthly fee comes out per door. And then the other fee that we charge is called a lease renewal fee. So every time we're able to get a tenant to renew their lease for one year, mm -hmm. and if we can get a rent increase, that's great too. But every time we renew a lease, it's $100 lease renewal fee. So some some own I know some companies charge I've seen as high as a half a month's rent. So if your rent was seven hundred dollars, that company would charge every year three hundred fifty dollars to renew a lease. Wow. Which again I think is is crazy high. Now the propertyware uh, program that you talk, you spoke of is that something that every property manage, you know, management company uses, or is that 
you know, anybody who's yeah, I tell you what, I've seen some in in Pittsburgh that that don't use them. They're still on like, you know, um, pencil and paper. That's I mean, exactly seen, why I brought it up. We've yeah. seen some of those. I mean, they're they're dinosaurs. They're few and far between. But okay. uh, some some companies might use QuickBooks. We use a industry specific software, and it's called Propertyware. There's a couple other ones out there that are very good, and the names escape me right now, but. Property was one of the larger ones, and it's just it's a good tool and it's it's very helpful for and the owners love it. Yeah. Now, so is this something where, if needed, like you could always provide copies and templates of all your contracts? Yeah, anytime. If if you wanted to hire my company, because I get I do get that question a lot. Can I get copies of your leases and your contracts? Of course. Yeah, I, I can send them over to you. They're blank, and you just look through them and have have any questions. That's where. Instead of me telling you what property management is about, and that person would listen to this podcast per se, and then email me with any other questions they might have. And how would they know? email you? Where would they contact oh, you? At? My email address is alex at alexdeacon.com. Easy to remember. Yeah. Easy to remember. Um, so now here's here's a big question that a lot of people would, and I don't want to say a lot of people, but I think you might run into this more often than what people think but um what happens if somebody tries to cancel the contract or you know cancel their their contract or their lease within the first year yeah our leases are i mean our contracts are one year so let's say you enter a contract with my company and you're unsatisfied after eight months i'm i'm gonna let you out of your contract Mm -hmm. i don't want an unhappy client you know Mm -hmm. if 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 it's not working out then one we did something wrong we over we under communicated or we over promised or we under delivered something you know it's 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 honestly it's never the customer's fault mm-hmm. and that's why i mean you have to look at it that way because it's not it's not so you did something wrong to make that customer not like your services now sometimes it has to do at, like we'll screen our owners we'll screen our new clients i don't bring on every client in fact i turn down more management clients than we bring on because one, it may be in an area we don't cover, or two, the landlord might be on such a tight budget where if one little mis- like one repair puts them in a situation where they can't make their car payment or they can't right. pay their house bill, right. mortgage. And I, I can't help a, an owner like that right. because if you have a major health and safety related issue like a furnace and that owner doesn't have money to cover a furnace, then... How am I supposed to manage a property that has no heat? You know, it's just, that's just a, an example. Yep. So we have to screen our new owners too to make sure that they're a good fit for us, and their expectations are in line with what we can provide realistically. Um, now, is it is this something too where it's it is somewhat situational? Where you know, because you said you know, like a lot of times it's probably you did something wrong, not the owner. Um, but is this, you know, and you said after eight months, you know, sometimes you might let them out because it's better to have happy clients versus sometimes do you, you know, and I'm, I'm only playing devil's advocate here just to kind of like, you know, push back. But is there sometimes when even you know that it's probably the, it, it's more the other side of the deal, but you just kind of give in anyway just to save face? Well, you know what? I don't deal with the property management side every day. <laughs> so I, it's easy for me to say. It's our fault, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if I talk to my staff, they get frustrated. They have owners that are that unrealistic on their expectations, and that's where the problem arises. Either my staff isn't communicating, 
or we overpromised and underdelivered. So, I mean, is every is every one of my clients awesome, and I'd love to just hang out with them and be buddies? No, I mean honestly, it, I'd be unrealistic if I said that, right? <laughs> but as a business owner, when you have an unhappy customer, you know, a lot of times it's something you did wrong, right? 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 Or yeah. something you didn't do right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, let me see. So, what what types of payments do you accept? I mean, and what would you advise that people take? Yeah, from our tenants, we can accept. Uh, they can of course send in a check. They can send in money orders. We don't accept cash because there's no way. First of all, it's you know it's easy. Cash can disappear. Mm-hmm. And two, there's no paper trail. You know, well, I paid my rent. No, you didn't. I mean, because we don't accept cash. So where's your canceled check or where? You know what I mean? So we we can accept check and we also can accept. Um, they can pay online, so they can literally go onto their portal, and pay, right from their checking account. And that would include money order too, I would imagine, right? Yep, money orders, checks, and then they can pay online. And then as far as owners, owners can still get a check. Some of our owners still want a check, and some of them um, we can get direct deposit from our account into theirs, which is what how most of our owners do it now. Let me see. So now when it comes down to, so we got payments covered, we got different things with the contract covered. So what about property inspections? I mean, do you perform them personally or? Property the, ins- the do we perform property inspections? Yes, they have to be. Um, it would be something that you would have to request as an owner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want us to do uh, biannual inspections or annual inspections, we do those. It's an additional charge. We have to pay someone to go out there, meet with the tenant, and maybe take some notes about what the property condition is. We just find it, it sometimes it's intrusive and it can be counterproductive because what what can happen is you do these inspections and let's say the tenant is completely filthy right it happens i there's nothing i can do about that i can't go i can't tell the owner well i'm going to tell the owner they're filthy and then the owner's going to say well what are you going to do about it and i'm like <laughs> there's nothing i can do about it legally what do you i can't i mean right. when they leave it has to be clean the way we gave it to them mm-hmm. And when you do these inspections, sometimes it can be counterproductive because then the tenant's just nitpicking. Okay. They're usually when they're there and you're and you're there at the site, they are usually finding fault in anything they can yep. think of. Yep. And it causes they're there looking for trouble. It, problems, sometimes yeah. it just causes more work than it's worth. Yep. So yeah, it's but we can do them. It's an additional fee, it's not much, but we have to you know, cover our costs. Um, now, we kind of touched upon something earlier, but let's get back to security deposits. How do you really handle the security deposits? So, well, the way they have to be handled in PA, Pennsylvania, is all the deposits have to be held in a separate escrow account. So our we have like three different accounts. We have our MACE operating account. We have our MACE owner's account. That's where all the rent monies and everything goes into that. And that's where all the monies get dispersed to plumbers and to trash bills and to electric bills and water bills. And then we have a third account, which is our uh, escrow account for for security deposits. Okay. So each one of our tenants has their own account. And it's they, they don't have access to it, but they have their own account. And it's interest-bearing. So meaning that whatever the interest is, it's so it's so minute but you have to have it in an interest bearing account so yeah every every deposit is held in a separate bank account at our specific bank and it's collecting interest 
Okay, let me see. Um, now, so we talked about turnover a little bit too, vacancies and, and things of that nature, and why it's important to keep a tenant inside. You know, keep the keep tenants keep tenants filled up uh, inside these owners inside the owners' uh, units. So, let me ask this question: um, When somebody does leaves, what's the average cost of, of a repair bill after people move out? Uh, basically, just to make the make the unit or the home yeah. or the whatever to make it rent ready. Got it. I there's a question I can never answer with. There's no solid answer. Yeah, and I get that question too. So here's an example why I can't answer that. What is the average cost of a repair bill? You know, to make the property rent ready. That's what's the average cost to make a property rent ready? Um, Sometimes it's as little as two hundred fifty dollars, and that's just. I mean, every once in a while, it's like zero. Every once in a while, you'll get a tenant just leaves it cleaner than when they got it. <laughs> they were on a mission. But, you know, typically just to have a minimum, to have a place cleaned and maybe have the windows cleaned and maybe the carpets, you know, little things like that might be $250, okay? okay. Now, if a tenant moves out and they moved out and the place is spotless when they moved in, then it should be pretty close to spotless when they moved out. Now, if they move out after a year, it should be damn near spotless, mm-hmm. right? If they've been there five or six years and you, the owner, have to expect to probably have to maybe replace a carpet in one room or paint the hallways or there's going to be some normal wear and tear. Now, on the flip side of that, the worst case scenario is like I own properties of my own and I and I know that when that tenant moves out, they've been there forever and maybe I inherited them. So the kitchen's old, the bathroom's old, the carpet's old. I know when they move out, it's going to cost me ten, fifteen, maybe twenty thousand dollars, depending on what I have to do there. All right. So to make that property rent ready, it it could be ten, fifteen, or twenty thousand dollars because I might need a new a new kitchen, a new bath, carpet, paint, plaster repair, new light fixtures, just to make you it presentable. Know, right. Yeah. So average. Uh, what it costs for average move-in, move-out repair, it's just, it depends on your unit yep. and how long the tenant's been there and, and so on and so forth. It varies forth. on the unit, the tenant. I mean, there's probably a, a million different things that would go mm-hmm. into that, too. Um, let see. Okay, so do you, do you provide any, like, monthly statements? Since the owners have access to their own portal on the accounting software, they can go in any time. So we don't provide statements because they can go in at any time. And print a statement. We used to, like years ago, before we had this software, we'd literally send out a printed statement every month and mail it. You know, okay. we don't we don't need to waste a stamp or, or kill any trees now because you can go onto your website and go into your portal and pull up all those statements. Right. And what's really nice about it is I had a question. I mean, I told an owner about this the other day. He was printing up his statements. I'm like, why are you doing that? Just give your give your accountant your portal access and they go in and you don't have to do anything just it's really nothing because my accountant does the same on my on my properties he just goes in and pulls up yeah i don't do anything that makes it so much easier it sure does let me see so now so now alex if i since this is a frequently asked question this is Mm -hmm. hypotheticals here if I decide to sell my property that I don't own, right. uh, do I have to sell it through you? If, if we're managing the property and you want to sell your property, you do not have to list it with us. A lot of our owners do because, one, I've been in the business for sales for you know 23 years. 
sold thousands of homes. We have a sales staff and a sister company called Deacon Hoover Real Estate Advisors. We have um, way more experience than that on the sales side. So most of our owners will list it with us because it just makes it easier because we already have a, a relationship with the tenant. So, you know, it mm-hmm. makes it easier. But yeah. you in no way have to list your property with us. It just yeah. seems like it's more streamlined because the relationship's already built there. Mm-hmm. You, know, you already have the, that going. It so. is. I would, I would say probably 80% of our owners just decide to list their home with us. That makes sense. Yeah. I heard I heard uh, Deacon Hoover uh, Real Estate Advisors are pretty pretty good company too. Oh, absolutely. Heard they're great. Heard they are great. awesome. Um, let's see. <laughs> and let's see, Alex. So how and when uh, do I get the rent payment? Okay. So when you as an owner, when do you get paid? We, we pay all of our owners at the end of the month. The reason we wait for the end of the month is because we never know between, let's say your tenant pays on the 5th, right? And we send out a check to you on the 10th. So, so, so if we did that, then you get this major repair that comes up, right? And where do we, we don't have, we're, we're cash flow negative at that point. Right. And we have to ask you to send in money so we can make, you know, make the major repair. If it's a small repair, we can handle. But if it's a $3,000 boiler, which is a heating system, then we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to have you send in payments so we can pay for the entire repair. We can't float. We could float, you know, five, ten thousand dollars a month, but as a company, when you have seven hundred units and you're floating a couple thousand here and a couple wow. thousand there, it can become adds up a little quicker. Yeah, it huh? becomes an accounting issue, and then you, next thing you know, you're bouncing checks. So yeah. we'd be really careful when we pay our owners. We pay all of our owners at the end of the month. Most companies who've been doing this a while, do the same. Some even pay the first week. Like, they wait till like the first week or the middle of the next month, which mm-hmm. I think is, is crazy. But, yeah, we pay once a month at the end of the month. Let's see. Now, a- another question I... I'm sorry, yeah. No, 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 go ahead. Absolutely. Another question I get, I wanted to definitely hit on this, was how repairs are handled. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you handle repairs? I mean, you know, the long the long version is too long. The short version is when when somebody calls in, we send someone out to assess the repair, we take care of it, we send you a bill. Now, if it's a small repair, we're not going to call you for let's say uh, just pick on uh, a garbage disposal. Right. Right? Because a garbage disposal is going to cost $100 for the disposal itself and probably $100 to send someone out and replace it, right? So $200 to $250. We're not going to call you because it just doesn't make sense because you want us to get an estimate. The most I'm going to be able to save you is maybe $25. And I already got a guy there. So by the time I get you another estimate, we have to pay this guy to go out. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm not getting the job. I got to get paid for my time. It's $50 just Mm -hmm. to show up. And then I can save you $50 somewhere else. You ended up paying the same, right? Yep. But we will get estimates on if we send somebody out and it's in a major issue, like a major sewer line, or maybe it's a furnace, but the furnace, we're at the end of the heating season. So we, you know, we have, we have some time to get an estimate Mm -hmm. or another estimate. When I get a call at three in the morning and our furnace is out, I can't get you estimates. I have to send somebody, and you have to just trust us that we're going to get a good price. Because we have our own repair company. It's called Rent Ready Rehab. Mm-hmm. We created this because we found that there are a lot of good contractors out there. But 
There's not a lot of good contractors who are good business people, meaning they can never keep their billing straight. They can never keep their schedule straight. They show up when they can. They don't show up sometimes. They don't communicate with tenants well. We created this company. We get excellent prices from our vendors, but we handle all the accounting, all the all the um, infrastructure, so they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to run their business, so to speak. So yes, that's a for-profit company, but at the end of the day, our contractors come back to us. They know that they're going to get re repeat work. Mm -hmm. We're top priority for them. They give us very good prices, and we make a profit on that. But at the end of the day, it's it's typically we're giving better service at the same price or less than you could get on your own. It's one of those win-win situations you always mm -hmm. talk about. Yep, it's absolutely that way. So how we handle repairs, it just it depends on the repair. If it's a large repair, we're calling you for approval, no matter what it is, unless it's an emergency. Mm -hmm. We're calling you for an approval. If it's something small, we're going to handle it. Um, we're going to use our company to do the repair or... We can use your own people. If you have your own contracting crew or you have an uncle who's a plumber or an uncle who's a, a roofer or a friend who's an electrician, just give us their name. We'll use them. We're yeah. not going to mark up the bill. Some companies, literally some management companies will mark up the bills to, just to mark them up because that's how they make more money. Wow. We don't do that. Like our plumber's bills don't get marked up. Our right. plumber bill is whatever the plumber charges us because he's excellent and you know, we we're not we don't specialize in plumbing, so we don't we don't mark up those bills. So yeah, we can use whoever you want us to use as long as they're licensed, mm -hmm. as long as they're reliable, and and we can um, send them a 1099, meaning we can't pay any of these vendors cash. We have to do everything above board, so we have to pay them and send them a uh, you know 1099. Mm -hmm. Okay. 1099, excellent. Yep. Now, what other questions, because, you know, we have some bullet points here, but is there any other questions you can think of that might not be frequently asked, but might be good to know for, you know, property managers, uh, you know, just things that, that aren't asked as much that, that might be, that okay. should be, I guess. Yeah, we can maybe cover what the important question should be. Okay, so we talked about this earlier. Um, you should be asking the person you're interviewing, the property management company, like, what is your experience in the in the real estate industry in Pittsburgh? Okay, <clears throat> and it's important to say Pittsburgh because what if we just came here from uh, Houston? We started a company here. We could have fifty years experience in Houston, but not here, and it's different. Totally different market. You know how much how many staff members do you have? What are their responsibilities? Uh, what is your vacancy rate? Because I'll get questions like, well, how do you guys advertise? Well, we advertise everything online. Well, we're online. I mean, I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. Because we, we put it on a couple websites, and then they dispute it. or um, disperse it. <laughs> They disperse it, like, everywhere, yeah. right? So I get leads from websites I've never even heard of sometimes. <laughs> but the key question is, that's an important question. How do you advertise? Where do you advertise? But more importantly is, what's your vacancy rate? Because I could give you some spiel on... Oh yeah, we advertise in eighty thousand different websites. What's your vacancy rate? Well, we're like ten percent. That's horrible, right? Our vacancy rate right now is running around three and a half to four. Wow. Sometimes it's as high as six. It just depends on the time of year. Right. Depends on the market, so supply and demand. But our vacancy rate is very good. So whatever we're doing marketing wise is working. 
So now, what do you? What's a good vacancy rate? Just like I know you said, ten seemed a little. It high. depends on the. It depends on the building. Okay. Yeah, like I have some buildings that ten percent is probably the norm. Okay. And I have some other buildings that I'm I'm running at one percent and a half for for twenty five years, but our vacancy rate over six hundred fifty to seven hundred units is I would say. If we averaged it between a good vacancy rate year and a bad, we're probably around 5%. That's good. Okay. So other questions you should ask is, yeah, your knowledge in the industry, what is your vacancy rate? Um, just important questions, too, that sometimes it's not even a question. It's just listening to what the person on the other line is saying. So then that works two ways. I'll listen to the owner explain to me what you know how they how long they've been in the business so I can get to know what their um, experience level is because that makes a big impact right and questions I'll listen and hear what are their expectations because that's how I know if I'm going to be able to ha um, satisfy them right because their expectations I've been doing the real estate investment side of things since 93 right so I know what the I know what realistic expectations are because mm -hmm. I buy and sell real estate every month for myself, mm -hmm. so I know that. And if I hear in their voice that their expectations are just way beyond what I can provide, right, right, and they're not willing to bend on that because they because somebody told them maybe whoever sold them the property sold them on these higher expectations, right, right. then I I can't help you. So I guess for me, as a property management company owner I listen and on the flip side of that you as the property management potential client should also listen and ask you know ask maybe some questions that don't have to do with property management but maybe have to do with investing in real estate because it's not all about X's and O's it's about everything in between that can tell you as an owner is this a good is this a good fit for me does this management company know what they're doing so be a good listener and ask the right questions too. Mm -hmm. um, and you mean listen? We should listen to one another. It's an uh, amazing thing. Yeah, that listening thing is important. <laughs> <laughs> but this was this was quite long. This was um, this was long. You know what? We're like about twenty five minutes or about, so. About forty minutes. But I think this was very informational though. No, we did forty very minutes. Informative. Yes, sir. Right, right now we're at 37.45 if you guys are watching the clock at home on your radio dial. Why, yay, yay. Wow, that's a long one. Okay. This was good, though. This was informative. I think this one flowed very well, too. Cause Hopefully, I'm hoping that all of you owners out there, well, if, if, if not, they've shut us off by now. So I should have said this at the beginning. <laughs> but, I mean, hopefully you listen to this because it is important. Even if you don't choose to pick my property management company, this should help you in maybe running your own management or this should help you in preparing to interview other management companies whatever the case may be it will be helpful so it's a, it's probably a good 38 minutes spent just listening to it maybe in your car as you're going to work or, yep. or something like that or just late at night when you're looking over some properties and this is this is yeah. going to be a good listen it's definitely going to be a good listen so thank you adam Thank you, good sir. I appreciate your time on this, and I'm sure everybody at home appreciates your time. Guys, if you did enjoy this, if you appreciated this, if you learned something, 
we have a ton of episodes. Uh, go to dh dhrea.com. Uh, go to our learning tab. You'll find all of Alex Deacon's property management series on there. You'll also find Alec, uh, real estate investing with Alex Deacon. There's a whole ton of other different stuff on uh, topics on there. Um, and we actually have a, a third podcast on there called The Real Turnation uh, with Ian Hoover, where he sits down and uh, interviews other like-minded investors, uh, real estate professionals, and it's really, really great uh, conversations. So, um, guys, check us out. Search for us on all of your podcasting platforms. Look for us on social medias, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are all over the place. Search D. Deacon Hoover or DHRE and you will find us. For Alex, for everyone else here, I am Adam. Thank you so very much. We'll see you next time.